1: Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Wednesday, we're going to talk some more USA Georgia football, of course, because that's what we do every episode here on the Peristyle Podcast. But I think we're going to put the Stanford game behind us at this point. Look forward to this weekend's game against Texas. So first up, we'll have Chip Brown from Horns 24-7. We're going to discuss USC and Texas with him. He's an expert on the Texas Longhorns, and Really all things Big 12 football, college football. I I go on his radio show quite a bit. We're also a little bit later on going to talk to Rafael Esparza about the betting lines for this game. So see what the spread is. USC has not covered the spread yet. Uh, Did not against UNLV and uh, lost against Stanford where they were getting, uh, I think, three and a half points or so. So we'll see uh, what the lines are for USC and Texas and where Rafael thinks uh, USC will end up. All right. As promised, we have my buddy, my friend, Chip Brown. You can follow him on Twitter at ChipBrown247. He's feeding UT insiders at Horns247.com right from his Twitter bio. Uh, Actually, it's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Chip. Thanks for coming on.
2: Hey, what better way to spend my birthday than uh, some quality time with Ryan Abraham, (laughs) the king of USDfootball.com, my guy.
1: It's not a monarchy, but, you know, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, But, yeah, Chip does a great job.
2: I know you're the king of the capital.
1: Yeah. (laughs) If you're heading down to Austin early like I am, a little bit later today, uh, AM 1300 The Zone is where you can find them. It's on iHeartRadio, too. So 6 to 9 a.m., that's local time. So it's a little early. So, when Chip, when you have me on your show, it's a little early my time, but it's fun.
2: Yeah, you're a champ because whenever I call you, you're willing to come on. We always try to put you on like one of the last segments, which is like six 30 Pacific time. And you, you answer the call, baby. You're like, you're like black coffee. You're strong.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks man. It's, it's always fun to do. And I appreciate you coming on here. We've been uh, trying to preview the teams every week. And uh, I thought you'd be a great person to talk to. And just to let people know, if you are heading down to Austin, we will be at the Key Bar. It's on West 6th Street, downtown Austin, Friday from 3.30 to about 6. And Chip Brown will be there. Taylor Estes will be there, which I think you'd rather see her than Chip or me. But the, she'll be there. Keely, Dan. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Um, it'll be fun. We got I've got a lot of people RSVPing already. Texas fans, uh, USC fans in town. You know, we sent it out to USC fans. But it um, should be a fun time. I don't know if you've been to that bar before, but it looks pretty cool. They'll have their taco oh, truck there. Great.
2: Oh, yeah. Great spot. Great spot. West Six, that is a great area. USC fans will get a, a nice sense of the downtown uh, vibe in Austin, which that downtown continues to grow by the day. I'm convinced most of that money is from California. You know, people <laughs> just, just getting tired of Paying all those taxes, they want to come to Texas where there's no state income tax. You know?
1: Yeah, and and Austin's the cool place uh, to go. I mean, as far as like, it's if you've never been, it's a very different city than like Dallas or Houston, San Antonio, things it's, like it's that. It's
2: like California. Yeah, it's the most like California city in Texas.
1: Yeah, uh, that's cool. Taylor, Taylor's from California. She went to uh, she went to Mark Sanchez's high school, I believe, Mission Viejo. So she's a California transplant. That's right. That's right. Uh, nice. Um, okay. So this is an interesting game. I just actually went to last night. There was a, an event at this kind of fancy club in LA that I I just stopped into after practice where they had Yogi Roth was moderating and it was Matt Leinart and Vince Young talking about the game, like all kinds of stuff. Yogi was actually like a graduate assistant or something on that staff for USC, but it was really interesting to kind of hear them talking about the game. Obviously there was a lot of hype going into last year, Tom Herman's uh, first year, and you know both teams sort of struggling. These are blue blood blue blood programs, a lot of tradition, but I don't think there's a lot of optimism on either side right now.
2: <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Ryan. I mean, this game means way more to Tom Herman than it does to Clay Helton. I think, although you hear rumblings even in Austin that you know maybe there's a little tension between Clay Helton and Lynn Swan, but Tom Herman does not have a signature win. Clay Helton won 11 games last year, and and Tom Herman is not winning the press conferences uh, at all. So he he just is not relatable to Texas fans. And they they need him to win. He needs to win. Yeah, recruiting needs him to win. I mean, Texas A and M plays Clemson to two points, and it, it could have gone either way. And then they get five star uh you know, the twenty twenty five star receiver, uh, Demis to commit like on the spot. I mean, and they're just killing it in offensive line recruiting where Texas is trying to to make some inroads. So they've got to to turn the momentum and they need to do it this weekend. We'll see if they can rise up. They sort of snapped out of a, a shell last year against USD. The defense Came to life after a terrible game against Maryland. And the defense got better from that point on. And Tom Herman needs that to happen on both sides of the ball Saturday.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, Clay Hilton. he's under a lot of heat from some of the fans who didn't feel like he should be hired in the first place. Obviously, Herman was the hot name, so you, you wanted him hired. But then it kind of reversed. You know, Clay does have some signature wins, like the Rose Bowl. And, you know, he beat a playoff Washington team on the road. Beating Stanford twice last year was kind of the feather in his cap. Besides winning the, uh, you know, winning the uh, the Pac twelve championship game, but you know they didn't yeah. like the performance seventeen to three, only scoring three points like that. The USC fans aren't too happy with that. I think it's important for both, but I, I think I agree with you. This one Herman kind of needs to win those those fans over because <laughs> they It's a pretty strong. I mean, the the questions in the press conference the other day, there was nothing like that getting thrown at Clay Helton. Right, right, and
2: that you know Tom Herman, I mean. The problem that people have is you're the offensive minded guy and we thought you were a mastermind on offense. And yet it's the offense that has not shown any semblance of consistency or, you know, explosiveness in 15 games in two seasons. The defense got better and better, Was ended up leading the nation in non-offensive touchdowns last year. The sense is Todd Orlando will get it going here. They definitely got off to a slow start, had a terrible first half against Maryland, but they played really well for three quarters against Tulsa and the offense did nothing. And then, and then they got beat for a a couple big plays and suddenly that game was close. Well, they were up 21 to nothing at halftime. The defense is waiting for the offense to do something. And it didn't happen until there was seven minutes left in the game. So, It's not a uh, it's not a cohesive operation. It's not a fluid, um, you know, football team right now. They're still looking to come together, and that's that's something that USC will want to exploit. They'll want to get on Texas early, create doubt, get the fans silent. Um, I mean, this fan base might be on the verge. Of booing if this offense can't get it going. I mean, that's kind of where things are. It's it's deteriorated quickly, Ryan.
1: Wow. Um, well, we saw last year when Texas came to the Coliseum. Certainly looked like a different team than what we saw, you know, the previous week. Uh, it seemed like this that was a game that you know Tom Herman put a lot of emphasis on. Uh, I'm not. I don't know if you're going to expect the same thing this time. My guess is. It's going to be tough for USC to go into Austin. They played it. I've been saying that they played at Stanford last weekend. That was not a road game. That was a away from home game. This is a road game. This will be a much tougher environment. And for an offense, you talk about struggling offense. It's a team that scored three points last week. Um, Yeah, I think it's the same thing. If Texas can jump on USC early, maybe it's the whoever gets out to the quickest start is going to win this game. But I think either team, you could see struggling if the other team comes out on fire and then it's kind of like, oh, here we go again.
2: Right. And I think, obviously, it all starts with the quarterback and for both. And, you know, JT Daniels, how's he feeling after the hand injury with Sam Ellinger, who was awful against Maryland. And even his completions were off. But he missed a lot of open receivers, couldn't sustain drives, and then had... Yet another late game turnover. At, at that point, he had started seven games and in five he'd had a catastrophic turnover, four of which were you know helped decide the outcome of the game. They were that late in the game. Wow. Including USD last year when he fumbled in in double overtime. But at the end of the Tulsa game, I don't know if this was a light that went on that finally clicked. But Ellinger has been a bit of a gunslinger, a bit of a gambler, and he, he's thrown into coverage down the field. Well, he checked it down and completed 7-of-7 seven seven on a drive they had to have after Tulsa had cut it to one to one touchdown. I know, there's the 2-10 and 10 Tulsa team we're talking about. <laughs> um, but he did it. It was a 13-play drive. He was 7-of-7 seven seven on the drive, and then – they were able to run it. Uh, I mean, Tulsa went down the field and scored again, so it was 28-21, and they were able to kill the final four minutes and change uh, and take a knee at the end of the game. And I thought those two drives might have been a grow-up moment for Ellinger. We'll see because he's been up and down, and I, I was ready to see Shane Bushell or freshman Cam rising after the Maryland game. But to Ellinger's credit, he he bounced back, and those final two drives when he could have uh, tensed up, he didn't. He played well, so we'll see if if maybe that light went on that hey, that checkdown pass is my best friend.
1: Was there is there a lot of talk? You know, when a team struggles, bringing in you know Bouchelle or whatever, or bringing in the freshman like is that is that been prominent, or is it like no, going to go with Ellinger and and see how it goes.
2: Well. Herman, and this is the problem that a lot of Texas fans have with Herman, they don't know what to believe when he talks. Is he just saying stuff to appease a player, a parent, or something, or is it real? And he said that the, the fall camp battle between Ellinger and Bouchelle was so close that it was the hardest quarterback decision he's had as a coordinator or head coach. Okay, well, and with Ellinger struggling against Maryland, why didn't you bring Bouchelle into that game? When you're up twenty-one nothing at halftime against Tulsa, why don't you bring Bouchelle into the third quarter? No quarterback has taken a, a snap other than Ellinger, who's been inconsistent. And so these coaches don't know what they have or what this. You know they have they have a better offensive line than they had last year. They have better running backs. Now, USC might not see Keontae Ingram, uh, the top running back recruit in the state of Texas from 2018, who's been, you know, very explosive and dynamic. He had a 29-yard touchdown run last week. He's got all kinds of stop and start and change of direction. Um, But Trey Watson is a guy who's from California, Southern California, played at Cal, and is a graduate transfer who's, who's also been good and and so he may get a ton of carries and he's motivated because as a, a southern Cal kid and a guy who played in the pac-12 of course he wants to get in and and, and get go up against usc so you know it's a different offense and Bouchelle is better when he has the benefit of a running game and play action they did not have that last year so but herman just seems set on ellinger and almost seems set that Bouchel's not the guy Bouchelle was really good as a freshman i mean 21 touchdown passes as a freshman beat notre dame but it's been uphill for him and what's really going to be interesting is with the new redshirt rule he can play in four games and still preserve a year of eligibility i think he'll if he doesn't get on the field in any meaningful way this year, he's probably going to be a grad transfer. Does he have two seasons of eligibility or just one? And that's been a little bit of a interesting dynamic is Herman not playing him because he wants to help the kid, you know, have another year of eligibility. So, you know, Texas fans don't give a crap about that. They want to see (laughs) the offense move, you know? Right. So they don't even want to hear about that. Don't tell me about red shirt. If that kid can move the offense, get him on the field.
1: Right. Yeah. It's like, like the so, Alabama, the guy, yeah. Like Jalen hurts in Alabama. Like, would he only want to play? And like, don't play me in more than four games. Cause I want a red shirt and get out of here. Like you're going to see that a lot more now. I think with this rule.
2: Right. Right. And so, and the guy who probably got the it factor is cam rising, the high school, uh, you know, he, played high school in California and everything I heard coming out of fall camp was that this guy is way ahead of his, you know, his age and, and classification in terms of digesting the offense, you know, seeing the field, getting the ball out and being able to move around a little bit. He's 230 pounds. That's the guy I kind of have in the back of my mind as, as the answer. If th- if things go south, Brian and, you know, they lose to USD. They got TCU next. They've lost four in a row to TCU by an average of 30 points. Then they go to K State, where they have not won since 2002. Jeez. And then they play OU. So <laughs> this, thing could, this thing could go off the rail.
1: Wow. Um, yeah. So two programs desperately in need of a win. Uh, you would think, you know, one and two and two and one is a completely different <laughs> story. Um, how's the Texas oh, defense looked? Uh, I know. I think the stat I keep reading is like the front four hasn't generated a sack yet. Um, USC's given up a bunch of sacks. The first, you know, so we'll see what happens there. But what, what's the defense been looking like?
2: Well, they're they're up to something because they barely they didn't blitz against Tulsa at all, and and part of that is Tulsa's offense. It's the Art Bras running spread, so you really really take a risk by by bringing the heat but you still have to bring some heat and that's what Todd Orlando's known for he's known for being able to disguise the blitz and and you know make it to where you can't make it to where you can't tell where that pressure is coming from so i would imagine that he'll unload the blitz package this week against USC the other thing, too, is they were pinching their ends down to the three technique. So Hager, Charles Amenahou, you know, weren't outside the tackle. They were inside the tackle. And I don't even know what Orlando was thinking about doing that with Maryland because they knew about mm-hmm. Canada, like the shot sweep. And in that situation, you either want to be in a four-down lineman situation so you absolutely have two five techniques so you can get upfield and, and cut that thing back inside. So it's been a sluggish start, and obviously the the player that was the MVP of the team last year was the punter michael Dixon, and he i mean that guy's a magician, he's already doing it for the Seahawks, and he they had the benefit of that guy pinning teams back inside their own pen um, at a ridiculous rate and we all know that the defense can play much more aggressively when the you know, the opposing offense is coming off the goal line. So the defense has not, you know, really come through. They just registered their first two turnovers of the season, both freshmen, by the way. Uh, BJ Foster and Caden Stearns. Caden Stearns, the number one safety recruit in the nation last year. BJ Foster, the number three safety recruit in the nation. And, and those guys are making plays. So it's a, it's a defense that has not yet imposed its will
1: all right we have a i don't want to keep you too long we have a few questions from the message board we can kind of run through them fast if you oh, yeah. if you don't mind No, we're good all right uh s i don't know how you pronounce this s-j-a-k-e-k-1 said he has like three questions but i'll just answer uh, ask you one who are the top two or three names to keep an eye out for on both sides of the ball he said excluding colin johnson usc fans will know him all too well
2: <laughs> yeah i mean I think uh on offense it's it's gonna be Trey Watson, uh at running back number five. He wears number five for Reggie Bush as a kid growing up in Southern California. He loved USC, loved Reggie Bush. Um, he jokingly told me that when Texas beat USC uh and Vince Young ran it in on fourth and five, it changed his life, you know. and, <laughs> and he's he is he's got a great personality. I mean He's a, he's a great, fun guy to talk to. So he's really motivated. He, he did say, this is personal for me. And obviously, Ellinger, number 11, uh, at quarterback and that stepdown down pass. You know, see if he goes to that early. Um, you know, the other guys, the, the deep threat, the guy that can get behind you is Devin Duvernay, number six, uh, to me has probably been the most consistent receiver on the team. Uh, but they will put big number eighty four, Lil Jordan Humphrey, in the slot. He's a six five guy who just uses his body to, you know, go across the middle. Uh they'll put him on a seam route. They hit him for a thirty five yard completion right out of the gate last week against Tulsa. And Lil Jordan Humphrey's kind of a the go-to guy, the security blanket. When they need a play on third down, that's the guy Ellinger tends to look to. So I would definitely say those, those uh, names I just mentioned on offense. And then on defense, I would imagine, like I said, that the blitz package will get unleashed. And a guy who showed he could blitz, well, Chris Boyd, number two, is their preseason All-Big 12 corner he, he loves man coverage. He loves to talk. He's a uh, really talented player and a really good blitzer. So, number two, Chris Boyd, definitely got to watch. Uh, number 44, Brecken Hager, is a wild man. You, you'll see his <laughs> blonde hair coming out of his helmet. This guy goes nonstop every play. He's chomping at the bit to get out to that five technique where he played last year. Um and this guy has led the team in sacks both years and he's only started five games each year. His dad is the all time leading tackler of Texas, Brooke you So number forty-four, definitely definitely a guy to watch. And then Gary Johnson, number thirty-three, uh, is just a sideline to sideline uh linebacker who's taking over for Malik Jefferson and a guy who has to make plays he's he got ejected from the first game in the early second quarter for targeting and that killed texas in that maryland game because he is he's the mission control in the middle of that defense um and i mentioned the two young safeties uh although i mean Caden Stearns plays safety all the time number 25 dj foster is a guy that will move down in the in the lightning dime package to uh a linebacker position, and that kid has shown he will come up and hit you, so you know those are definitely names to keep an eye on on the texas defense
1: cool um oh four Rose Bowl how would you grade uh Herman as a motivator of players uh,
2: not very. Well, right now, although I'll say this, they did play harder and they were more physical last year than they've been and, and more more of that than they were under Charlie Strong. I mean Herman is from the Urban Meyer, Urban Liar, Lyre, Liar Meyer uh tree. I mean, he's more like Urban than he is any of the other coaches he he worked with. So he's you know, he'll use fear as a as a motivational factor a lot and and they did play hard and he you know but this year and I don't know if it's because people are telling him he needs to to become more relatable either you know to, I think well I know Chris Del Conte the new athletic director told him after well Chris got there December ninth uh, and Texas was preparing for their bowl game and Del Conte told Herman hey, let's make sure this bowl game is a reward for the season and not punishment for losing the regular season finale to Texas Tech. And the players talked about how different Herman was, and they won the bowl game against Missouri, and players came out and said, hey, we're all in with Herman now. And now now I think there's just a frustration that the product on the field isn't better because the players are better, and the, the offensive line is better. So now it's coaching. Now it's getting this team into the right place or getting the quarterback to, to play better or move on to the next quarterback to keep the locker room happy. The players always know who should be playing. And, and so, you know, I'd give, I'd, I'd give him a C right now in terms of motivating players.
1: Um, we had a, this is interesting from Marlon. He said, would be curious to hear Chip's take on the myth Versus historical reality of UT football, on one side, it is an icon in the state of Texas. On the other side, it's surprisingly underachieving when cross-examined against the historical "quote unquote" blue blood programs.
2: Yeah, I mean, you've got the you got the Daryl Royal era, which was amazing. The wishbone, um, you know, Texas created the wishbone. Oklahoma wants to say they perfected it. Actually, Barry Switzer said that uh, because Switzer was recruiting black players. Um, more easily um, than Texas. Texas, the last all-white national championship team in 1969. And so that was an amazing run for Daryl Royal. And then then the family splintered. You know, Fred Akers came in, almost won a national championship in 84. But because Daryl Royal didn't get, he was the athletic director at the time that he Retired as coach and wanted to name his defensive coordinator Mike Campbell as his successor There was a power struggle among the regents who didn't want Daryl to have that much say and so they Vetoed Daryl Royal and they hired Fred Akers. Well, Fred was never really accepted by the Longhorn family That was loyal to Royal and so the the fan base was split he ends up getting fired the first, you know, struggling season he had. He won 70% of his games, kind of like Les Miles. And, you know, they replaced him with David McWilliams, who was who played for Royal. And McWilliams had one good season in five years. He got fired. They brought in John Makovic. He was polarizing. He won three champion, three conference championships. but
0: he,
2: And that's, you know, that's the thing. Ryan, we talk about Tom Herman not having a great personality. John Makovic didn't have a great personality. No one liked John Makovic, but he was an offensive genius, and he moved the football. And if Tom Herman was moving the football and they were winning games, no one would be saying anything. But his offenses aren't moving the football. Everyone's going, was it Ezekiel Elliott at Ohio State? Was it J.T. Baird? Was it Urban? Like, Ohio State fans thought it was Herman. And they were like, oh, man, we lost. We love him. We lost, too. And now Texas fans are going, who was it? Was it Ezekiel Elliott? Was it Major at Houston? Because this offense is witness protection program.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I think USC fans can say the same after putting up three. (laughs) Uh, We got one more for you. The Coliseum fan wrote in and said, uh, last season for USC, the game before Texas against Stanford seemed to be the high water mark. That's probably where USC played their best last year. How did Texas's performance against USC compared to how they played the rest of the season?
2: Well, the defense came to life. I mean, I talked to some of the guys this week about it and there's no doubt. I mean, the defense came to life. They, they got the pick six. They had the goal line stand. They, 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 basically kept texas in that game and and you know tom herman's gotten this nickname from my co-host on the radio uh my cards uh, he calls him he calls herman the riddler because everything about texas football since herman has taken over is is like a riddle and that even that usc game last year where the defense was outstanding the goal line stand uh, the pick six but to give up the 56 yard catch and run touchdown on on the last play of the half. I mean, Texas gave up ten points in that game with no time on the clock. And they couldn't they couldn't keep Darnold and and USC from getting into field goal range to send the game into overtime. So but the defense got better and better and better every week. And and Todd Orlando got a raise. I mean he was making one point one million. Now he's making one point seven million for the next three years. And And everybody was just waiting for the offense to get better. And Ellinger after turning it over four times in that USC game picked up a lot of confidence with that last drive where he hit Colin Johnson for 47 yards and then, you know, converted fourth and 10 to our Monty Foreman and then hit Foreman again for the touchdown with 45 seconds left. And, and that's what made everyone feel good about Sam Ellinger. So, they picked up a lot of steam in that game, and Texas needs that to happen again. And look, USC brings, they bring the best out in each other. I mean, you're at that event last night with Vince Young and Matt Leinart. Matt Leinart, people forget, went in 12 of 14 in the second half of that national championship game. I mean, Leinart was outstanding. And and so, you we know, bring out the best in each other. And that game last year, it was a little choppy, but unbelievable ending. And, it could have gone either way, and that's that's what Texas fans have come to expect when they play USC. I mean, let's be honest. Saturday's the trilogy; uh, the first two of this of this uh, you know post century uh, trilogy have come down to the final final seconds. So, I think that's what Texas fans are hoping for. Just as long as, as Texas wins it,
1: yeah. Um... They've been they've been great games. Uh, it was an exciting game last year. Your overtime and all that, man. I'm on the sideline, standing next to like Matthew McConaughey. Like we're looking at each other when Tyler Monz <laughs> makes some crazy catch that they called it. I think it was called it incomplete. It was like the is this weird surreal kind of thing. You know, it was like it just it brought, it brought back some magic, I guess.
2: Well, and you see that all the time in L.A. I mean, what Snoop is coming to play with this Will Ferrell. Um, McConaughey's the Texas mascot, you know, Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, that, he's the club mascot. He's always around practice. And, um, so, and McConaughey is hilarious. I, that commercial that he and Farrell did before the national championship or whatever that promo was for ABC is still hilarious. We played it on the radio today and it
1: just, yeah, uh, what's
2: that? Oh, I, I can't hear. You. i got a Heisman in right the I, 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 I got another Heisman
1: in you. Okay. That was good stuff. Well, I'm really looking forward it. Now I'm fired up even more. I was fired up from my trump flying out later today. I'm talking to you, Chip, now I'm super fired up.
0: Come on, Ryan. Let's let's do this. I'll, I'll see you
2: at the key bar on Friday for sure. That'll be fun.
1: Yeah, so USC fans, if you're down there, I can't believe. Like I thought... Eh, maybe not that many people are going to come. I just posted it, I think yesterday or something, and then just got like a flood of emails. So we're going to have a lot of USC fans there. It should be fun. I think some locals, like lo- local people, want to come because you know they they don't get to talk USC much, and then people traveling for the game want a place to go, and it's right in the heart of everything. So Chip Chip knows the Chip knows the scene. So if Chip approves, I think it's a good bar. Oh yeah, no,
2: that'll be good. How, how many <laughs> USC fans do you think will make the trip?
1: That's a really good question. I'm horrible at these kind of things. Like, how? I mean, but I don't know, maybe like 5,000 or something or.
2: Uh, yeah, the allotment is 4,000. I, I, was, I was thinking like maybe closer to 8,000.
1: Oh, maybe. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Yeah, it should be. I mean, it should be a bunch of people. I, I know there, I've talked to some. Uh, tickets were a little harder at first, but, you know, after the Stanford game, they were, I had more people emailing me like, yeah, I don't think we're going to go now or something. So I, that's probably a few, but. Not, not everyone. I think a lot of people just wanted to go on this trip and that's, you know, it's one of those stadiums you want to just go see, you know, I've never been there. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah,
2: no, it's going to be fun. It's always, uh, you know, these iconic programs, these royalty of college football, man, I love college football. So this, uh, this week is, is awesome. Yeah. It
1: would have been great if both teams were undefeated and you had like game day or something, but you know, whatever. Yeah. That's not, that's, that we but can't hey. control that stuff, Chip. We we just that's cover right. them. We, we can't control that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's Tom Herman's fault.
1: Yeah. Chip Brown uh, from Horns247. Follow him on Twitter. Chip Brown247. He's got a crap load of followers because he's really good at his job and breaks a lot of news. And we really appreciate you coming on your birthday, Chip, to spend some time with us. So thank you so much.
2: Hey, Ryan, you're the best. I'll see you soon.
1: All right. Sounds good, Chip. Happy birthday and uh, thanks again. All right. Thank you. You know, ever since I started the Peristyle Podcast, people have been asking me for betting advice. Are oh, the Trojans going to cover the spread? Truth is, I don't know who's going to win, but if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys. They're your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. You can lay down some cash, and win big today. That's why I'm urging you to go make your way to MyBookie. You win and they pay. They have in-game, live betting, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. And all you fantasy gurus out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. So if you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code PARISTILE to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code Peristyle when creating an account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Okay, we're back here on the Peristyle podcast. We have on the line Rafael Esparza. He's with Doc Sports Service, also an odds maker consultant for mybookie.ag. We've had him on every week this season. We'll continue to do that throughout the college football season. Rafael, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's a fun, fun weekend
0: for if you're a USC Trojan or a Texas Longhorn because we get to see a a, a, a a
1: nice match coming up. I mean, these two have had some epic battles, so it should be a fun evening with these two teams. It should be, even though a little disappointment there uh, in both teams. Last year was a fun game. Um, it, by the way, if you want to follow Raphael, you can do it at VSI Docsports. Check them out there. Um, yeah, Raphael, this is uh, you know classical. Well, let, let, before we jump into that. I want to talk about the Stanford game? Uh, both didn't think we both. Uh, well, I don't know. I I think I might have switched. I thought USC would cover, and I uh, took the took the points on this one. Obviously, they only scored three points. They did not cover the spread. What did you think about that USC Stanford game?
0: Yeah, if you're a USC fan, I think you I think you woke up Sunday scratching your head when where that offense went. Uh, just because, I mean, they only mustered uh, uh, three points, which is shocking because they had more first downs than Stanford. They had 20 first downs. I, I, for me, I'm still scratching my head on why they only scored three points. I mean, if you look at the stat sheet, I mean, the total yards of the game, pretty close. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Stanford had I think, like 10 yards, uh, total uh, yards uh, throughout the game. So for me, I just think USC had a hard time just punching it in. I think uh, after the first quarter where they couldn't punch it in and then uh, the trend just kept on going, I think when you finally kick that field goal, I think you're probably doing backflips, saying, "Hey, at least we're on the scoreboard right now." <laughs> Cause, uh, I, I was, uh, to me, like I was, I wanted to watch the game over again just to see maybe if I missed something. But then I didn't want to hang myself because if you kind of look at it, it was also a, a boring game. Yes, I mean a seventeen three. We usually don't see seventeen three games in the Pac-12. If I was going to rewatch a Pac-12 game, I would watch an Oregon game because at least I could see push ups and tons of touchdowns. But seventeen <laughs> three was uh was was a little bit a head scratch I mean granted Stanford's defense really uh showed up for, for that game and, and played on but this game right here USC texas I mean everything's identical they're both one and one they're both over two against the spread they're the over under they've had one over one under i mean it's, it's and I think that's why the betting public is also scratching their heads because it's fifty one percent Uh, Money coming in on Texas. I mean, that's really nothing. uh, That's almost 50-50 when you look at it. And it's Texas gets this game at home. Public money is all on USC. The expert money is slightly coming in a little bit more in Texas. But I just think that's because they're at home. For me, I just throw away this game and maybe look at the total. I think the total is right where it needs to be. I think both teams are going to want to play a defensive game. I'm looking for a defensive battle. Wouldn't that be shocked if it's another low-scoring game uh, for USC? So I think there's value more on the total than there is at the, at the point spread. Right now, Texas is three. But wouldn't shock me if it moves up to three and a half uh, throughout the, across the board. Because I think Texas, just because they're at home, uh, will get a little bit more money. I think Texas Memorial Stadium is going to be very, very loud for the USC Trojans.
1: Yeah, this is going to be a different environment. USC was on the road, but Stanford's not like a road game. It's more, it's just like I keep saying, it's just like a game that's not at home. It's, just a, it's away from home, but this is going to be a road game. So I think you get the real, you know, what is it usually like three or three and a half points you get for for being a home, you know, for being at home. So I don't know, maybe are they looking at this as like a pick'em sort of game? I guess that's why if you're saying it's like 50-50 money wise.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's close. Like I said, if you, if you throw away the home field of given three points, it's, it's almost like a pick em, a pick em type game. And I think that's why the public is on one side and the wise guys on, on the other side. Cause I think that's why we're getting so much good value on money. it I would not be shocked when this game kicks off that we that it's so much wish wash on the board. It doesn't matter who wins this game for us uh, to to have a profit. I think we're going to get that much of two-way action just because again, you're talking about USC and Texas, probably one of the two biggest names in college football. So, again, we're looking for a very, very good two-way action. And uh, if you're Texas, I say hurry up and grab that three because I, I would not be shocked if it goes to three and a half uh, across the board uh,
1: by kickoff. So three, three and a half right now. That uh, What's the over-under? What's the total on this one?
0: It's it's forty eight. It opened up at forty eight. I, I I think it's going to stay pretty much flat at forty eight. Getting uh, again really good two way action on it. I mean, a, it's, it's a TV game. It's not that much big games on that time slot besides Ohio State TCU. So most part, and most likely the public will bet uh, either USC or over or Texas or over because who wants to bet a game and sit around and watch an under game? So I always tell people that's why we, that's why we push the total a little bit higher than sometimes normal, especially TV games because the public. Doesn't want a better game that they they're hoping for no points instead of uh, okay uh, let's wish for a lot of points and whoever whoever scores a touch you have to drink so if you want if you're looking for a drinking game on this one you may not want to watch this one
1: yeah it could it'll be interesting to see both offensive offenses have struggled um, I mean it could be well under 48 or it could be some exciting game we saw last year Texas came out with a lot of a lot of fireworks but whoever whoever loses this one man it's uh, one and two and uh, oh you know. What, probably 0-3 against the spread. Probably not going to be good for whoever loses this. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting because last year Texas was able to run the ball. Uh,
0: I mean, they weren't able to run the ball. And USC had some problems stopping the run last week against Stanford. I mean, we, we and you already discussed about UNLV able to run the ball in the first half. So it's going to be very interesting to see that the USC can stop the run early because if they can, then I think this the, the, the switch can uh, hurry up and go there towards way. And we'll have maybe USC can uh, maybe get the uh, the road win on this way. I think whoever controls the line of
1: scrimmage, I think is going to probably control the game. All right. We'll see what kind of environment it is down there. I'm flying out a little bit later today, so I'll be down there. I'll let you know how, how it was, Raphael. I know you'll be in Vegas. You got a big, big fight this weekend. right? Yeah, big fight, Triple G
0: and Canelo. So, uh, I'm always, when I'm always at fights, uh, in Vegas and around the world, I'm the only guy in press row that's watching other sports on their computer (laughs) and trying to watch the fight. People are writing articles for papers and here's me. I'll be watching football
1: and and, and baseball on my computer screen, watching the fight at the same time. So, uh, I'm that guy on press row. Nice. Well, Hey, Raphael, thanks so much. Have a great time at the fight this weekend. And uh, make sure you follow him on Twitter, VSI Doc sports. Thanks again, Raphael. Take it easy. Have a great time at the game. All right. That was Raphael Esparza. We're uh, going to wrap it up. Uh, you know, there was a few you guys sent some extra questions in. You guys sent, okay, there was a lot of questions that came in this week, and I feel bad we can't get to all of them. It's just now we just get overwhelmed, and we're just not able to. Uh, but I wanted to read some of them for you and uh, kind of get in there and, and and talk about those things real quick before we – Move on. Uh, we had Robin in Virginia. He said, "I'm just curious as to who at USC approves the schedule. I know we talked about it last year, but whoever's in charge, it doesn't seem to have USC's best interest at heart. Things like two consecutive road games again are not conducive to winning. How much can we blame the performance on factors like scheduling as opposed to crappy coaching? Does the Pac-12 have the final say in scheduling, and if so, why uh, would they want to handicap one of the historically best uh, football schools in the conference?" Thanks, Robin in Virginia. Yeah, so the Pac-12 handles all that. The the uh, the conference schedule USC picks obviously they're out of conference stuff so I don't, I'm not looking this as some big schedule fluke I think La- they were doing it before and I think the Pac-12 has done some things to try to fix it it's about the you know the the Friday night road game following or leading into a, you know another Saturday road game stuff like that where you're really putting teams at a disadvantage so I don't I don't think you're going to see much stuff like that anymore, but I, you can't really blame a schedule. Like that's not, you know, it's fine. You're going to play a couple tough girl games Now, do they do that in the sec? No, they would never do that, but that's just the way it is in the pack. 12. You have to, there are a lot more home and homes in the pack. 12 than you're seeing in the sec. Uh, Charlie had some comments. He said one pass blocking was horrendous. True. JT was, uh, seems to only want to throw to Vaughn's. Uh, that's not true. We weren't playing to wide receiver or corner matchups. Uh, they dropped seven guys in the coverage a lot. So I don't know if it was a matchup thing. It just, you know, they did a good job of covering and, and got pressure. So it just, it was very limited. He said, four of the receivers that did get the ball thrown to them, did not create separation. There were certainly instances of that, but there was other ones where they did have separation and the ball didn't get there or wasn't thrown to them. He said, I'm watching the Kansas City Chiefs play and they have similar players like we do and their offense is on fire. Uh, yeah, I played against, uh, was it Hall, man, that guy, was it Hill, who was it? Yeah, the guy who just went crazy. He said, offense coordinator had that defense guessing, hint, hint. This is the type of offense I'm talking about USC needing. Yeah, no, you want a, a scheme, an offense that scheme makes things work and not necessarily all about players. You put players in great positions, and it doesn't seem like they're doing that. He says, like, David Shaw did his homework on us. That is very true. Clay needs to look for a young offensive line coach that can teach. He found the running back coach from last year who worked wonders for us. He can do the same for the OL coach. Um, yeah, you might need something like that. <laughs> uh, questions. Tough guys versus more athletic guys. If you're so athletic, why don't we have any separation with our wide receivers? I heard that Neil Callaway used to coach at Alabama. He did. Uh, Alabama has never been a passing team until now. Are we surprised that our guys can run block but can't pass block from Charlie? Uh, I don't know if there's any kind of surprise there. I talked to... Neil Calloway yesterday, I got a story coming up on the site. Um, When I get a second to breathe, I will try to put that up. Uh, Daniel, hey, Ryan, remember a long time ago when you said Herm Edwards wouldn't be a fit at USC because he's not coached in college or the NFL in a long time? Do you still agree with that? Uh, I do agree with that long term. Um, Herm's doing an amazing job right now. And I've I've switched, like, I mean, I picked ASU to finish last, but then I talked to Chris Cartman, who covers them, and everything he told me made sense. And I'm like, you know what? They're going to be pretty good this year. But long term, I don't think he's going to be the right fit for the guy. But he, they did great clock management stuff. Uh, but Chris gave me Chris Carpenter gave me another stat you might want to know. Uh, when they hired Dennis Erickson in 2007, ASU went eight and zero to start. So everyone was like, "He's amazing." And then they went 21 and 34, I believe it was after that. So. Don't, you know, I, I think Herm's doing an amazing job and they have a great team in place and I think they're going to do well this year. I'm just, long-term, uh, I'm not convinced. Now, he may prove me wrong and he's done really well so far and that was a great win on Saturday. So we'll see. But I I get to the point where everyone was just bagging on him so much that I was kind of rooting for him. Like, hey, let's see, let Herm do some good things. But I think long-term, it's still probably going to not be the right play. Uh, Chris from San Jose, everybody talks about fourth and two play but don't you think they put themselves in that position because of the stupid third down play? They weren't moving the ball or they were moving the ball methodically, but when it uh, was third and short, they did switch to a hurry up offense, which never works. Yeah. I'd, I hated that. Uh, and we're not prepared. Lost yards. Yeah. When they rushed the line of scrimmage and just run it up the middle, it's just always good stuff. Like, you know, it's coming. The, the defense is instantly ready. It's like you, it's almost like you're waking up the defense more than anything. He said, Stanford couldn't stop them to that point. In USC, Change tempo and hurt themselves. The third down play was worse than the fourth down play. Bad decision. Uh, no, I get I I get you, Chris. I agree with you 100% there. Um, that really was set up from the, the third down play. And then, like, earlier on when they threw to Devin Williams, they, they're moving the ball, moving the ball, moving the ball. They get to, like, the 40 or inside the 40, and they decide to go deep ball, double coverage to Devin Williams, who's never caught a pass before at USC. And so, like, yeah, that, that, that just like killed the drive, basically, and then they couldn't recover. Bill says, it seemed to me that USC was very much in the game till the end, and they should have won the game, if not for the non-calls on Stanford pass interference. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. No, Bill, they they shouldn't have won the game. They were in the game. Um, there were some calls against Stanford that could have been made, but they didn't call a lot of penalties. USC only had four penalties called on them. Um you know Stanford had a couple holdings, they you know some offsides and stuff, or uh, false starts. They could have called a bunch of false starts on the right tackle. Uh, they called one and then they never went back to it. And certainly there's been some pass interference calls. But you think they throw a couple PIs in there, you get one more first down, that USC's clearly wins the game. It's like no, that's that's not the uh, that's not the case. Yes, it wasn't the greatest officiating, but they didn't call a lot of penalties in general. So if anything, it's on USC to say. Hey, play more, play tighter coverage because they're not calling stuff on the outside. And USC kind of dropped off and played a little bit more zone. So that's something USC could take advantage of. So I got to stop your email there. If you think USC should have won, except for a couple of PI calls, you were not watching the same game I was. Uh, Don, who do you think defensive coordinators fear more? Where or car? Which one is more likely to break a run for a TD? Is it time for change the rotation? Um, okay, Don, I don't agree with that either. Uh... I think Ware could have got more carries, and I think Vavai could have got more carries, but they, I would have taken away passing uh, plays as opposed to taking carries away from Akacentric Ware. Ware's done a great job. I think he's, uh, you know, they, they didn't block very well for him, to be honest. He just got the most carries, but he, still, he broke some runs too. No one got anything over 14 yards, so um, it's not about who they fear. It's not like they lick their chops when Ware comes in the game. They're, they're different backs. They do different things. You know, Carr has that breakaway capability. Uh, but, you know, we've, we've seen Ware break some good ones too. So, you know, he got his 100 yards in the first game. Uh, I think you'll see more 100-yard games from him. But I, I like the rotation, so I have no uh, – I got no problem with that. All right, uh, I think that's going to wrap it up. We had, I just wanted to get rid of some of those questions for you guys. But, um, again, apologize we can't get to them all. They're just a little bit – there's a lot. There's a lot of questions there, which is great. But it just makes it, uh, it's hard. We can't do them all on the podcast. I'm already doing, I mean, like, you know, eight hours of (laughs) podcast a week. We do a couple of live shows. It's really tough. So don't forget, we got our our event at uh, the Key Bar on 6th Street in Austin, Friday at 3.30. I believe the pep rally is at noon. So this would be after the pep rally, 3.30. We got a lot of RSVPs. Please email me. RSVP. You can go to the website and get more information on where it is. But just let me know if you're going to come just so we have a, a, an idea. Uh, but we already kind of have a pretty good idea because there's a lot of emails. So, But, yeah, show up. Bring whoever you want. Talk USC. Talk Texas. It should be a good time. So, well, anyway, this is the this is going to wrap it up for our edition of the Peristyle Podcast. I'm not sure if Keely and Shotgun are going to have time to do a family feud as Keely and I are both traveling um, today. So we'll see. They might do one, they might not, but um, we'll let you know. But thanks so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time.
0: You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting.